Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Consistency. Nothing personal. Word of the day. It is Tuesday, May 31st, 2022. Hope everybody had a good Memorial Day weekend. Memorial Day weekend. The weekend where summer is supposed to start if you're in the Northeast. I grew up in the Northeast and Memorial Day was always the beginning of summer. It bookended with Labor Day. Then I moved to Florida and people don't even know when Memorial Day is because it makes no difference. It's hot and wet. That's Adrian Krakauer right there. Do you know there was a there's a station called uh, not NPR. It's a classical music station, and I was with my mother this weekend, and she was playing this classical music station, and they were playing actual radio broadcasts from Vietnam, like "Good Morning Vietnam," Adrian Krakauer, Robin Williams, and it was fascinating to listen to. Uh, only for a few minutes. I listened to it when I was in the house on the way to dinner. But anyway, so they were doing that, I assume, because of Memorial Day. And in the Northeast, you get excited, and normally the weather stinks. This weekend, the weather was great. Coca is burnt to a crisp. You can't see him. I unfortunately got burnt because you can always tell when you miss places. So I love the the spray that they invented for sunscreen because it just makes it easier to sunscreen kids and to sunscreen yourself. But on the other hand, you clearly don't get full coverage as opposed to lotion where you always say, hey, am I, did I rub it in? Right, you don't say that when you use a spray and therefore you don't find out until after what spots you missed. So I look like a blotchy mess. But Memorial Day is a weekend that represents time with friends and family and partying and barbecues, but it's not supposed to be that. It's supposed to be a holiday where you reflect on the deaths of servicemen, where you think about veterans. I sent a tweet, Coca, about veterans and how we should be thanking them, not just today, but every day, and just take a minute and just randomly, like in the airport when they get to board first, just say, hey, man, thank you. And someone tweeted back that you're thinking of Veterans Day, Dave. Well, no. I'm thinking that every day should be a day that we treat veterans correctly and that we think about all those who died because guess what? We get to barbecue and sit in the sun with lotion not everywhere and get burnt to a crisp. But the reason I'm choosing consistency is because there's something going on in Major League Baseball. There's a manager named Gabe Kapler who manages the San Francisco Giants. He's a failed manager of the Philadelphia Phillies, though. We're beginning to learn. We may get to this later in the show that it may not have been him. It may have been the damn team. But that said, he won the National League West with the Giants last year, won 107 games, lost a tough series to the Dodgers. I thought that they would not be able to in any way have a good year this year because I thought they got career years from a bunch of people. They lost Buster Posey, yada, yada, yada. Through a third of a season, they're still doing just fine. A couple days ago, Gabe Kapler announced 
that he was not going to come out of the clubhouse for the national anthem because he was not happy with the state of our country. And it got quite a little bit of attention. It wasn't a kneel like Colin Kaepernick. It was a protest against whether it's mass shootings, whether it's inflation, whether it's the price of gas, homelessness, hunger, unclear, but let's just say it's guns, could be pro-life, pro-choice, whatever it was, it was the general state of the country. Before a season starts, we give a set of rules to our players. And one of the rules that certain managers had, not all of our managers had it, but certain managers had it, and we were not going to overrule any of the manager rules in this regard. Some managers were very, very serious. During the anthem, you are outside on the line, hard stop period, on the foul line. Whether you're warming up, whether you're doing outfield sprints, whether your routine brings you into the clubhouse to take a crap before the game starts, whatever the case may be, when the anthem comes and we would have on the board in the clubhouse, anthem 702, anthem 654, we'd have the exact time of the anthem because our in-game entertainment people would go down to the clubhouse, they would give the information to the clubhouse manager who would put it on the board and everyone knew to just get on the line. It was one of those rules that I look back on that we did not really enforce entirely well because there were some players that just not for protest reasons, it just didn't mean anything. And I'm not talking about the foreign-born players or the American-born players. I'm just saying in general, if it didn't fit the pregame routine of a player, they wouldn't do it. But once in a while, we try to enforce it because it would be embarrassing. Of course, like anything else in life, you only comment on it when it's gotten to the point that it's too much. So if you've got three players on the line, it's just embarrassing. So then we'd enforce it and they'd come out. And then a few days later, there'd be fewer and fewer and fewer. Then you'd have to enforce it again. And eventually it's like running in kindergarten. You're just annoyed by it. So Gabe Kapler said, you know, I'm not going to do it. And it got a ton of attention. And so what happens in sports, like in anything, but mostly in sports, when a player or a manager or a coach or an executive, when they do something, you've got local reporters in the other 29 cities who go to there because they're looking for column inches, old expression. They're looking for stories or tweets or something. They go to all the current managers and say, hey, what do you think about Gabe Kapler? And a bunch of managers came out and said, of course, I support his right to do whatever he wants. There's no question that this world could use a little ship shape. But Tony LaRusso was asked about it. Of course, the octo, almost octogenarian. And he came out and said, you know, I get what he's doing, but I don't agree with it. But then he said something that caught my attention and I wanted to talk about. This is LaRusso's last comment on it. He said, I think you go directly to the causes that really bother you about the direction of the country. And I started thinking about misplaced protests and misplaced emotion. And it tied in with what we were talking about with what happened in Texas, what happened in Buffalo, and the rage that I felt, the rage tweeting I was doing, the upset, the concern. And we tried to, and we are continuing to try to effectuate change. We've gotten so many resumes. Coke and I are going through them. We're going to get back in touch with, we're not going to be able to reach out to everybody. Although I'm going to really try to respond to everybody who submitted. I promise you I will try that. 
but we're trying to see what we can do that can actually have an impact. And when you don't come out for the anthem, what exactly are you accomplishing? That's a question I have for Gabe, which is if you want to change the state of your country, is there a better way than protesting the fact that the national anthem is played before a game? Because people read that and that was the headline and that was all the headline was. Gabe Kapler does not come out for the anthem because he's upset with the state of our country. People have been upset with the state of our country since our country became full of states. It's been the most common thread through the last 250 years. I've got an issue with voting. I've got an issue with equality. I've got an issue with gender equality. I've got an issue with slavery. I've got an issue with economy. I've got an issue with politicians. I've got an issue with crime. I've got an issue with housing prices, right? Everyone's got issues all the time. That is an evolving society. Until we become a solutions-based, and this is what they've been saying at presidential debates forever, right? Go back and watch the West Wing presidential debates. Go back and watch actual presidential debates. It'll blow your mind. We're still talking about the same stuff. I'm going to come in and I'm going to be tough on crime. I wish someone would be tough on crime in New York. I'm going to come in and I am going to make it more affordable for the middle and lower class. I'm going to get free education. So everyone's talking about the same general concepts. I'm going to protect your social security. That's always a good one. I'm going to make sure that those commie pinkos don't get in the way of living your life. That's been going on for a while. So Gabe Kapler's going along with his day, but then all of a sudden it's Memorial Day. And he says, I got an idea. I'm going to stand for the national anthem for Memorial Day. Memorial Day, he said, is an important day in our country's history and a special day and a unique day. I find it to be one that deserves special attention. Horse hockey. Every day should be Memorial Day and Veterans Day, Gabe. And if you want to be consistent about some issue that you are trying to maybe draw attention to, then how about showing some consistency? What are you taking a break for? Oh, I get it. The state of our country on Memorial Day is fine. But then come Tuesday, when you play the Phillies tonight, not so fine. Everyone took a break. Right, it's like, I took an off day from committing crimes. I took an off day from being racist. I took an off day, we're good. I'm really gonna spend the whole day thinking about our servicemen. And Kapler's point is, and he said this with a quote, I'm very comfortable taking it day by day. I think I'll just decide what makes the most sense in the moment. Put that on a board. I want to put that on the back of one of those little death planes that go across the beach to say DJ Khaled will be at live tonight at 8 p.m. You know those little banners when those little planes? Well, I think of Randy Quaid every time I see those planes at the beach. And I wonder what they're doing up there because I assure you, I'm not so sure they're paying attention. But that may be the number one issue that we have as a species. I think I'll just decide what makes the most sense in the moment. Anyone else have a problem with that? Because my problem is, if you have no forward thinking, if you are only thinking what will be good in this moment, do you know what that makes you? 
a toddler. I think Gabe is going to do better. No, I don't. I really don't. You know, people are asking me, what would you have done? I had this over the weekend. Hey, if you were running the Giants, would you be upset with Kapler? Would you let Kapler do it? Would you not let Kapler do it? And what I would do very simply is I would talk to my manager. I would go talk to Gabe and I'd say, listen, is the juice worth the squeeze? And I would say that with no smile, given the fact that he's a juicer. I would just say that seriously, because that's my... That's my jam. That's my expression. I would say, what, what's the goal? What's the end game? How does it end? When you start something, you got to know how you're going to finish it. And to do that, you have to know what the goal is. If the goal is to improve the state of the country, I'm going to have our community relations department, someone like an Alfie Mesa. Hello, Alfie. Give him a list of 10 actionable items that he can do that can actually accomplish that which he's trying to accomplish. Different groups of people he can meet, different groups of politicians that he can talk to, different groups of politicians who he can help support run against the current group of politicians, all sorts of different possibilities. Here's your list, Gabe. And if Gabe said, well, no, I'm just, I'm really a day-by-day guy. My answer to that would be day-by-day. Day-by-day? That's not how we operate a baseball team. We're not just focused on today's game. We're focused on tomorrow's game. We're focused on next week. We're thinking about the entire season. We're always planning ahead. Every business is planning quarters in advance. Whether they're in research and development, whatever they're doing, you're never thinking just about today. Because when you spend your life thinking about today, you are absolutely ill-prepared for tomorrow. And guess what? Tomorrow will be today. And then what are you going to do? When Will Smith slapped Chris Rock, segue alert, when Will Smith slapped Chris Rock, there were a bunch of comedians who came out and said, this is not good, right? I'm worried that I'm going to be attacked on stage. And then Dave Chappelle got attacked on stage with a knife, though, not slapped. But there was a big concern, right? This is the most unbelievable, embarrassing thing. I can't believe that anyone would slap anybody. What was Will doing? Get your wife's name out of your effing mouth. So that was a thing, and that happened in the Oscars a couple months ago. And I thought slapping was sort of a funny, not that it happened, because that wasn't funny, but slapping to me is very slapsticky, right? It's called slapstick. It's It can be humorous, right? It's not a closed fist punch. It's not a using a weapon. It's like going up to someone and saying, how dare you, right? It's, oh, if you're not watching on Nothing Personal with David Sampson, you didn't see me slap myself. You know the um, aqua velva when you get aftershave or, or home, home Alone, Macaulay Culkin, when he slaps his cheeks and opens his mouth, right? There can be humor involved, which is why they obviously call it slapstick. So a couple days ago, Tommy Pham, who is a player for the Cincinnati Reds during pregame warmups he ran on the field approached Jock Peterson the World Series he was on the World Series team he's been on a bunch of World Series teams I think he's plays for the Giants now but I'm totally blanking right now Coca Jock Peterson was signed as a free agent because he was on the Braves last year the Dodgers the year before and I think he signed a deal with the Giants this year and he walks on the field he goes up to Jock Peterson 
cameras are rolling because cameras are always rolling. When you're on the field, cameras are rolling. Are we clear about that? The minute, oh, sorry, Coca, four, six, nine. When you leave the clubhouse, cameras are rolling. Dugout, field, bullpen, doesn't matter. And I don't just mean the ballpark cameras because we've got those too. I'm talking about the media, fans, somebody's watching. Tommy Pham walks up to Jock Peterson and slaps him in the face. And people are wondering what the hell's going on here. And then Major League Baseball suspended Tommy Pham for three days for slapping Jock Peterson. Did you hear what it's about? It's the number one, number one. I've had a bunch of teammates fight. They fight about girls. They fight about wives. They fight about baseball. They fight about paying attention. They fight about all sorts of things. This was a fight about fantasy frickin' football. You see, Jock Peterson and Tommy Pham are in a league. Big money. Big money. Maybe $1,000, $10,000, $100,000. These players gamble. They've got plenty of money. It's the same thing as you betting a Lewis a Mortimer dollar, Randolph and Mortimer trading places dollar. They put, you know, you go on ESPN and do a $10 league or CBS and do a $20 league or a $100 league. These guys are doing thousands of dollars. So there's money involved, but I would say relatively it's the same. But anyway, it just feels different when there's a bunch of zeros around. And apparently Jock Peterson interpreted the fantasy football rules to mean that he could do something with the player like injured reserve because he wasn't playing or put him on the bench or hide him so he doesn't have to wave him, subject him to wa- Who cares? Who cares? I'm just kidding, CBS. I love fantasy. Go to cbssports.com for all of your fantasy football, basketball, baseball needs. We love fantasy. And if you want to gamble, we've got picks for you. We've got the best in the world. 24-7, cbssports.com, HQ, yes. That ad is brought to you by LinkedIn. So fantasy football, you have all these rules. You have to follow the rules. If you don't follow the rules, there's a commissioner who's one of your friends. The commissioner decides. Sometimes you don't even know the commissioner. Hey, this is bad. This is good. You're fine. You're you're waived or your wire transactions are frozen. Who cares? Tommy Pham goes up to Jock Peterson because he's so angry about what Jock Peterson did, he slaps him. Jock Peterson goes back into the clubhouse, meets the media, and says, hey, listen, I have no idea what's going on here. I merely sent a GIF GIF mem to Tommy Pham saying, by the way, he was on the Padres last year, the Padres stink. He got all offended. He was upset about fantasy football, and so he decided to slap me. I'm running the Cincinnati Reds. I'm not Phil Castellini. No, I'm not. I'm going up to Tommy Pham and I'm saying, I just have a quick question. It's very quick. It'll happen like, just like this. I'll ask it. What were you thinking, you jackass? The visiting clubhouse is 30 steps to the south. If you want to talk to Jock, you mosey on over. You knock on the door. Somebody answers and you say, hi, is Jock there? And they'll go get Jock. Jock will come out and you have a conversation. Say, hey, man, I haven't seen you since the offseason. We haven't played you yet. Didn't see you in spring training. I'm just asking, what were you doing? Because I felt like you violated the rules and I felt really badly about the mem you sent. 
And Jock Peterson would have said, I was just kidding, which is what everybody says right after they do something that's offensive. Have you ever noticed that? Little detour. When you have a mouth, and I've had a mouth my whole life, although who hasn't had a mouth their whole life? I guess there's some people born without. Well, no. Yeah, every, I, I've had a mouth. And my mouth has gotten me in trouble but never punched. Can talk my way out of anything. But what do you do when you are saying, sorry, I didn't mean to offend you? You are really saying, I was joking about something. You did not take the joke as funny. Therefore, I now have to say, hey, man, my bad. I was just kidding. So I always smiled. I would never just say just kidding because that's admitting guilt. Because just kidding is, hey, if you had laughed at that, I wasn't kidding. But if you didn't laugh and you got angry, I was kidding. So I'm going to wait for your response before telling you whether I think, whether I think that you should think that I was kidding. So I would just ask Tommy Pham, what is it about this society that says, hey, I've got an idea. When you've got a problem with someone, just go be physical with them. Go commit assault and battery. Okay. Is that really what we want? Is that the state of the country that Gabe Kapler is trying to protest where people think it's fine just to go commit and don't, don't, don't go look at your criminal statutes, folks. You can't go up and hit somebody, open-handed or close-handed, slapstick or not. Tommy Pham was then asked about it, and he said, listen, Jock Peterson violated the rules, and he's messing with my money. That's such a good one. Are the people who are, who are jacking up your gas prices messing with your money? What about all the supply chain issues when there's supply demand, which artificially inflates, even though there's actual inflation, the price of goods that you need to buy? Are those people messing with your money? What about kids who spill food on the floor or don't finish anything or put an empty quart of milk back in the fridge? Sorry, that's a little personal. Are you messing with your money? Tommy Pham said, everyone's messing with my money. Tommy Pham got suspended three games by an Major League Baseball. He's going to lose about a hundo G. It's gotten so much attention, this slap. I'm just mortified by it. Baseball should be mortified by it. Rob Manford sat there with Dan Helm and Mike Hill, and they said, what do we do? Like, we're going to suspend this guy three games. I mean, we've got guys doing all sorts of stuff, bench-clearing brawls. Josh Donaldson gets suspended one game for being racist, inciting a bench-clearing brawl. Maybe he's not racist. Maybe he is. The Yankee fans can decide. Yankee fans are upset with me. Did you see that, Coca? I did an HD tour. I did an HQ hit this weekend. And we were talking about the Yankees, and I was asked by Jeremy, the great anchor Jeremy, saying, hey, uh, just curious, what would you do if you were the Yankees? Are you good, you know, with the huge lead that you have um, in the American League East? I said, no, I, I would go for pitching because they need an ace. And they've always needed an ace because they always get to October and never through October. But Yankee fans were like, you don't know squat about squat. Why don't you crawl back in your hole? You're the worst executive of all time. Look at how good the Marlins are now that you've gone. Every year since you've left, they've been a playoff team. Finally, you got out of the way. You don't know anything. You need pitching. And Garrett Cole's not an ace. Severino's not an ace. Montgomery's not an ace. Nestor, he's good. He's the one you want to pitch in a game seven or a game one. Good luck. That was my only point on that.
I don't know where that detour came from, Coca. I think it was just in my head because people get so upset about the Yankees. Was I talking about the Yankees? I don't know. I think it's better for me to take a break. But I do, after this break, want to talk about something. We're going to talk about Ricky Gervais, speaking of slapstick. And then we're going to talk about what happened in Paris this weekend. And I don't mean something at the Moulin Rouge. I mean something that happened at a game between Real Madrid and Liverpool because it was shocking. We'll be right back. The 82-game preseason is in the books, and it's finally time for the real season. Don't miss out on any of the NBA playoff action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. From the play-in tournament through the finals, DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered with same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. From what you've seen so far, do you think they'll be a first-time winner of the NBA championship? If the Pacers, Clippers, Suns, Magic, Pelicans, or T-Wolves win, you win at plus 650. That's six teams to root for, six chances to win. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SAMSON. New customers bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. That's code SAMSON, only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Quentin, Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. Thank you for making it through the gauntlet. Do me a favor. I think they do commercials at the beginning, in the middle, toward the end. Just say thank you. And I know it's commercials can be tough, but hey, Coca needs it. So please rate, review, and subscribe and follow Nothing Personal. You can write a review on Apple. We need those reviews where you just go on and say, hey, this show's awesome. Hey, this show sucks. Whatever you want to say I'm good with, just write a review. Although five stars. If you're going to say the show stinks, put five stars in. You can follow on Spotify as well. And go to Nothing Personal with David Sampson YouTube channel. I can't figure out why we don't have more subscribers, but maybe it's because our video content isn't good enough. Although, where else can you see me mute the button and then have some oral gas? I was in the middle of a workout this morning, Coca, and all of a sudden I had this uncontrollable burping. And when you're trying to breathe heavily and you're working out and then you burp, all of a sudden you gasp and then cough and then you feel like you're going to pass out, but then you don't and then you're fine. We watch a movie every day. I do. I don't know why I said we. I say we because this show really is all about me and Coca. Not necessarily in that order. I watched the Super Nature stand-up. It's a new Netflix one-hour and four-minute show by Ricky Gervais. If you don't know who that is, we've reviewed one of his shows called Afterlife, which is one of my favorite shows that I've watched in the last year, I would say. And he's the one who hosts the Golden Globes and is very offensive, sort of like the modern-day Tom Rickles, but only about celebrities, whereas Don Rickles, GTS, if you don't know who that is, he's a comedian who would talk about race and he would talk about people in the audience. And he, he was Jewish. He'd talk about Jews. 
black people, brown people, Asian people. He was he put the O in offensive and the F in funny. And back in those days, it was okay to do. Query, is it okay to do now? If not, why not? If so, why? Ricky Gervais does a special, and he's getting absolutely hammered. And he's getting hammered because he did sort of a Dave Chappelle type thing where he was talking about trans people, and he was saying, listen, women can be women, women can be men, men can be men, men can be women, but just do me a favor. If you have a penis, let me know in advance. And by the way, I'm not sure that's asking too much. Because I'm not here to say whether you should prefer one or the other or whether you should be upset if you've got a chick with a penis. Whatever the case may be, all I'm saying is that comedians are here to reflect society in a way that can give you a moment to smile and contemplate what it is you're smiling about. Are you smiling out of hatred? Are you smiling out of empathy? Are you smiling out of humor? I want us to take our country more seriously, but if that comes at the expense where comedians cannot do a bit without somebody raising a red flag and saying, this is unacceptable. You don't have to watch Ricky Gervais. You don't have to believe anything about him other than what he says, which is, I'm not racist, I'm not anti-trans. I am here to try to make the conversation more comfortable. What a lofty, great goal. Normalizing certain things through humor in order to give people comfort as to how to address those issues or those people or those situations. Wow. Can you imagine if you had a comedian or a writer? Wait a minute. If you write a serious book about this, do you get attacked? What about a movie? Hmm. Maybe it's the fact that comedians are using humor as the conduit and not prose. Just give it some thought. Ricky Gervais' supernature is interesting to watch. It's only an hour of your time. It's interesting to watch so you can decide for yourself where you stand on the education process, what you want, right? In Florida, it's clear we don't want our kids to learn certain things, and I couldn't possibly disagree more. That's the don't say gay bill. Parents try to protect their kids. Oh, you're too young to read that. You're too young to watch that movie. You can't see boobies, but you can see guns and play video games. Maybe one day I'll understand the virtue of why guns are more acceptable for kids than TNA. One day I'm going to figure that out. I can't quite get it yet, but maybe I'm just not old enough. When you run a stadium, remember I told you, do you remember how I don't like home games, but I love road games? And the reason I love road games is that I can watch the game and not worry about whether they run out of hot dogs, not worry worry about whether a foul ball is going to clock somebody, not worry about fights in the stands. I can just pay attention and focus on the on-field product. Of course, I'll take a walk around the ballpark and I'll look at the 
concession stands and what they're serving, what the average line time is. I'll look at pricing. I'll go to the ingress and egress and I'll count how long it takes for a car to get in and out, mostly out because not in because I get there early. But sometimes in, like before a game, I'll just walk out after BP when there's a period of time where you're just sitting in the clubhouse watching guys shower. I mean, not that I'm watching them shower, but that's what they're doing, going to the food room or sitting in the manager's office and sitting on your phone. But you walk out to the parking lot and you just look around. But it's not a worry. It's an observation. When you're at home, it becomes a full-fledged worry because you know that you are the line of last defense. You know that you are responsible. Did you see what happened on Saturday afternoon when Real Madrid beat Liverpool? I think it was 1-0. But that wasn't the story of the game. The story was what happened outside the gates where the authorities had to pepper spray Liverpool fans because can you imagine how great it would be in the United States of America where you have to raise your hand to say, who are you rooting for when you go to a Red Sox-Yankees game? Ah, the Red Sox gate is just over there. The Yankee gate is just over there. So there's different gates for wherever sections you're in. And if you're in that section, that's the Liverpool section. That's the Real Madrid section, yada, yada. Well, apparently there were people with tickets. They weren't real tickets, but then they were real tickets. And then they had a problem with security and lines, so people got upset. They delayed the game by over 30 minutes because they could not get the Liverpool fans into the stands. They could not control the fans. And I had... A flashback. The flashback I had is when Marlins Park opened and there were lines. Believe it or not, back then there was attendance for that particular game and there were terrible lines to get into the park because people were new, your workers were new, you were trying to figure out security, etc. There were lines at Pro Player when we were in the playoffs in 03 when we had 60 or 70,000 people there. The thing with lines is that it didn't used to be a huge issue because the security part of it was not top of mind, meaning you weren't necessarily worried about active shooters. You weren't necessarily worried about people sneaking in water and bottles and you have to have clear bags. You can't have a purse bigger than the size from your elbow to your wrist. And inside that purse, I got to look with a stick because I don't want to make sure there's no live animal in there. And then I've got to make sure that you're not bringing any sort of food or drinks Basically, everything that's happening is happening because of security. And I can't blame people who run the stadiums. And the reason that I can't blame them is because you don't want to be running a stadium where you've got a breach or you've got an active shooter, like the rumor was in Barclays when there was a stampede that just happened like two days earlier or one day later where Naomi Osaka was at a game and she was concerned and worried because there was some sort of rumor of an active shooter. So people are running like crazy and getting stampeded, getting hurt. It was after a boxing match. Ten people got hurt. But don't worry, let's close the back door and make only one door open for ingress and egress. Forget schools. Let's do it for events too. Let's do it. But the owners of Liverpool got upset. They were upset that their fans were not treated well, and they know very well that in order for them to be popular, even though Liverpool should be popular, they've done a lot of winning, but this year they've struggled, I guess, a bit in the championship games. The owner is Fenway Sports Group. That's John Henry and Tom Warner. And Tom Warner sent a letter to the French government. I'm sure this will be very effective because he sent it in English. 
J'écris aujourd'hui parce que je Oh no, he did it in English. Huh. I am writing to you today out of utter disbelief that a minister of the French government, a position of enormous responsibility and influence, could make a series of unproven pronouncements on a matter of such significance before a proper formal independent investigation process has even taken place. Huh? The French government, of course, came out and said the whole issue was not our stadium. The game was played in Paris. The whole issue was the Liverpool fans. I love that. The owner came to the rescue of the fans, saying, of course, it wasn't the fans' problem. It was the security problem. It was clear that fans were forced to go through a gauntlet, spending more than two hours in queues. By the way, Tom Warner doesn't say queue. Tom Warner says line. But you say cue when you're in Europe and writing on behalf of Liverpool because you want your fans to read the letter that you're writing. One person said they were trapped against the gates. Nobody was moving. Nobody on the other side of the gates was communicating at all. They were treated like cattle. And then Tom Warner ended the letter. On behalf of all the fans who experienced this nightmare, I demand an apology from you and assurance that the French authorities and UEFA allow an independent and transparent investigation to proceed. GMAB. You've never had any problems in Liverpool, right? At Anfield, everything's been perfect. That place is a trap. When I went to a game there, I was scared for my life with all the protests and all the people anti-Hicks at the time. But ever since the Ricketts family and the other bidders for Chelsea flew to Chelsea to take care of the supporters, now owners in the Premier League have to. You've got to come out publicly. We are all about our supporters. We are all about our fans. Good luck, Tom. I'm sure that's really going to happen. Nothing personal pick of the day. God, the Celtics sucked in game six. We're 65 and 50. Then they came back and won game seven. What struck me about game seven as I was watching is I cannot believe how little home court advantage matters now. When I was a big NBA guy, you know, in the 80s, 90s, you got a game seven, you're going to lose. That's it. The home team wins game seven. Hard stop. Now, the last 10 years, you got just as good a chance. I, I think it's like 50-50, which means there's not really a home court advantage. By the way, Adam Silver, here's a little note for you. If game seven is not everything to have at home, then why does it matter to have anyone play during the regular season? Think about load management and the importance of it because home court advantage matters not. I think we got to do something to make home court matter again. You want the regular season to matter, make home court advantage matter. To do that, how about starting with a 15 nothing lead? <laughs> how about making it so you can't reverse a three-point shot that's made 10 minutes later and take the three points off the board because Max Struess was out of bounds? Eric Spolster is a Hall of Fame coach, one of the top 10 coaches maybe of all time, which is amazing. And there was a playing game seven where they were losing. They were playing from behind the whole time, the home, the home heat. And Max Struess hits a three-pointer. And then all of a sudden, the game goes on, the game goes on. 
And then during a break, Secaucus, New Jersey gets in touch with the referees. They say to the referees, by the way, we were just looking at the video, and uh-oh, Schuess was out of bounds. Take the three points off. I couldn't believe that. If I had been owner of the Heat while I was putting out the fire on my Carnival Freedom ship, I would have said, what in the hell is going on here? The Board of Governors of the NBA has to address this. I am absolutely tired of all of the replay at the end of the game in the last two minutes, the coaches' challenges, which then lead to a timeout. Then the, the referees go check the video monitors every month. And the last two minutes takes 20 minutes because they're checking to make sure of everything. And the way it's supposed to work is that if you get together at the next dead ball and say, hey, I think he was out of bounds. Hey, did you see that? I didn't see it. Did you see it? Hey, I, can we check that? I don't want to check that. You can't let 10 minutes go by and then take three points off the board. You just can't do it. It changes the entire way that you are playing the rotations. It changes the entire way that you are playing the game to lose three points like that after that much time. I was absolutely furious about that. So, pick of the day today is about the Phillies. We're going to talk about the Phillies. People are calling for Joe Girardi to be fired. Something happened that makes me realize Joe Girardi is going to get fired. And it's not because he's going to win manager of the year. Philadelphia Phillies are spending $233 million on their payroll. They have the fourth highest payroll in Major League Baseball. They are six or seven or eight games below 500. They are closer to the Nationals in last place than they are to the Mets in first place. They keep getting walked off because their bullpen stinks and it stunk for a bunch of years. That's number one. Number two, when you watch them play defense, you feel like singing. Dun, dun, da, dun, 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 da, dun, da, dun. Dun, dun, da, dun. Where's Tatum O'Neill? My God, it's Engelberg. Oh, look, it's Tanner. Oh, my God, we stink. They can't play defense which we knew when they signed Schwarber and Castellanos, which is fine. That's great. They've got all offense. Although JT's a good catcher, but no, it doesn't matter. They're kicking the ball around like it's the can, and they're losing games. Their aces are not aces. Their bullpen are not major league worthy. Their offense, mediocre, believe it or not, and it was supposed to be good. They keep getting walked off. They lost again last night, and they're going to lose again tonight. My pick of the day is the Giants over the Phillies, Kapler over Girardi, and will Girardi get fired? That's the question. And so my answer is this. When we are evaluating our team, we use Memorial Day as a day that we want to have already made a decision whether we are going to make a change at manager. The reason we want to make that decision is we believe with two-thirds of a season left, which are four months because we've had two months, that if we've got the right people, we can turn it around. And we don't want to say we've got the wrong players because then we're saying that it's our fault and we've got to blame somebody else. Drew Girardi is on the walk year of his contract. He did not get extended. And so we're having these meetings internally about what to do. But then we hear from players. And the players on the Phillies did something that is a big no-no and means that your manager has lost the clubhouse. The Philadelphia Philly players have come out and said, yeah, we don't have a good feeling about this club. 
We don't have an energy. We don't have a passion. We look like we're going through the motions. Red alert, red alert. When you've got players who say that we're going through the motions, you need to make a change. Now it's different than the owners saying we look like we have no energy or pundits or media people who say, our team that I'm covering has no energy. Someone said about the Marlins recently, the Marlins look like they're lifeless, no energy. Remember I said that's what happens when you have no offense, when you don't hit, it looks like that you have no energy, but it's just that you have no energy. Not, it means you don't have talent. By the way, Coca, I did HQ yesterday, CBS Sports HQ, and my Grand Slam pick of the day was the Marlins over the Rockies, thinking that the Marlins with Pablo Lopez would win a game. Pablo Lopez pitches seven strong innings, and then that's it. The bullpen gave up seven runs, and instead of being up one nothing, they lost 7-1. I keep forgetting with the Marlins and with other teams, if you don't score, you can't win no matter how good your pitching is. I wonder if Don Mattingly's going to get fired now that Wow, Don Mattingly could get fired. There's no question about it because the Marlins, remember, they were supposed to be good. Anyway, back to Girardi. So when you've got players internally telling you, the president, things about the team, you're going to pay attention, but you're going to think about the source. You're going to think about which players are talking, why they may be saying it. Are they not playing well? Are they not hitting where they want to hit in the order? Are they not being used the way they want to be used? What is their agenda? So you're, Wayne, it's like what you do all the time when you're talking to people, you're trying to weigh their credibility and think about whether they mean it or whether they don't mean it or what they're actually trying to say. But that's all done privately. When you've got players who instead go public, that's game over. Because what it is showing is that they're more than happy for Joe Girardi to read that his clubhouse and his team has no effort, has no joy, is not playing loose. So Joe Girardi naturally was asked about it. And what would you think that a manager would say when asked about a team that is not playing hard or with passion or with emotion? He said, yeah, I don't see that at all. I see us fighting. Castellanos hit a three-run homer to take a lead before the bullpen blow it, blew it. And I know when bullpens blow games, that can really have a deleterious impact on your team morale. And he's right. In 2012, when Heath Bell was blowing all those games in the beginning of the season, it was gut-wrenching. You go into the clubhouse at the end of a game and you wonder, why is he still closing? What are we doing here? And they're thinking that right now with Noble. Um, is it Knoble or Noble? I don't know whether the K is silent. I'm blanking right now. Well, blanking means that I knew, which I did know. I can't remember. Anyway, so you go into the clubhouse saying, this is who we are now. We don't have the right players. So John Middleton and Dave Dombrowski have a decision to make, the owner and the president of the Philadelphia Phillies. And here is, it's Kunabel, thank you. And here is the decision. Joe Girardi has zero chance of managing the Phillies next year because the Phillies are not going to recover. They're not going to play in October. It'll be another wasted year for Bryce Harper. But I do not believe Joe Girardi gets fired during the course of the season. And the reason I don't believe he gets fired during the course of the season is that Dave Dombrowski knows better. He knows that unless you bring in Jack McKeon in the middle of the season, it is highly unlikely that that season will end with a ring. 
and Dave Dombrowski is going to have to change course, build a better pen, and figure out changing out some players to improve the defense. While trying not to get fired, hoping he's got the same hold over John Middleton that he had over John Henry, Tom Warner, and Mike Illich. And that was a hell of a hold. And Wayne Huizinga. I'm tipping my cap to you, Dave. Wait to see is when we tell you something's going to happen. If it does, it does. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But we're going to revisit it. And I'm going to give you a wait to see. I actually can revisit one. On May 2nd, didn't we say that the uh, Warriors were going to win the Western Conference? Well, they did. So that one was correct. The wait to see this year, today, Joe Girardi will not get fired in 2022 during the season. Part two of the wait to see, he will not be at spring training with the Philadelphia Phillies. Dave Dombrowski is going to call him in the office. He's going to say, hey, Joe, it's just business. It's nothing personal. 